0: Hello, welcome to the Never Not Creative Podcast. I'm Andy Wright. This episode, we are running a recording of our Asking for a Friend event. This event, we were lucky to have Jess Lilly from Leo Burnett's, who's a creative director there, and Aileen Allegado, who's a psychologist from Sydney. If you haven't listened to asking for a friend before, the whole concept of asking for a friend is that sometimes you can be concerned about how you might be treated if you disclose something around your mental health or around a next step in your career. And you might be concerned about whether you might be treated differently or if you'll be passed over for a promotion or the next great opportunity that comes into your team or your agency or your business. And so we set up asking for a friend for you to be able to ask those questions in a psychologically safe place, anonymously, but get the best there possibly is to be able to give you some advice. So that's what asking for a friend is all about. In this episode, we cover how to stay motivated and positive with so much uncertainty around at the moment, how to bring up the topic of money So you may have been promised a pay rise at some point, but obviously that's a tough one to try and bring up in the current situation and the way the world is right now. How to have a discussion with a manager who might be showing a lot of signs of stress at the moment and how to be able to help them, how to do what's right for you and how to make sure that it doesn't have too much of an effect on the rest of you and your team. And one really interesting question around survivor's guilt. So you might have been lucky enough to keep your job at the moment or to still stay in a situation where everything's working for you. But, you know, how do you also stay motivated at the same time, even though you might be better off than a lot of people around you? So some really great questions, some that you may have wanted to know the answers to yourselves or even wanted to ask. Please have a good listen. And at the end, I'll let you know how to submit anonymous questions for future episodes of Asking for a Friend. Everything that we do with Never Not Creative and the Mentally Healthy Change Group is volunteer run. And so essentially everything here is kind of unofficial. But that means that, you know, we're trying to help and we're trying to give advice. But of course, we don't have the context behind a lot of the questions that come in. So whilst you're going to get great advice today, it's also worth seeking professional advice or speaking to other people that do have a little bit more background. But whether that's financial, legal or, of course, mental health related, the response as it was last month, has been overwhelming. So we actually do have some questions that are ready to go. And I want to introduce Jess Lilly, who is a creative director at Leo Burnett down in Melbourne in an amazing shed slash garage renovation. (laughs) uh, uh, So welcome Jess. Thank you. And welcome to Aileen Alligato, who is a psychologist based up here in Sydney. And works with lots of people, some in the creative industry, and some people on the school, maybe me. And so <laughs> it's great to great to have
1: you with us. Soon to great be
0: me. <laughs>
2: Thank and you.
1: Actually,
0: worth remembering that this event came out of actually an event Jess and I did down in Melbourne. Um, yeah. At November. And so that was great because, it, you know, we had a psychologist from Movember, we had Jess, we had Kat from Facebook and myself. And that combination was just great for being able to give people advice. And I think it felt as well that people felt safe enough to be able to ask some pretty terrifying questions, actually, yeah. when, we, when we're down in Melbourne. So thank you very much for joining us. We'll start off with some pre-prepared questions questions that came in beforehand through the Never Not Creative website. And the first one actually is age-related. So it comes in and says, I've been struggling to find any work in the creative industry my whole career. I'm now upskilling, studying, but I'm even having difficulties with studying. I'm stressed out, overwhelmed, don't know what to do. It seems that the education faculties and workforce have no time for those who are slipping through the cracks. And also, I think you know, this was also a little bit related to Is it harder to get a job if you're older in this industry? And maybe, Jess, you'd like to kick us off.
1: Yes. Thank you for that question. And it kind of breaks my heart a little bit to hear someone's doing all the things right and is still feeling like it's really hard to break in to the industry. I mean, I think it's important to acknowledge that there is a degree of ageism in advertising, unfortunately. And I think sometimes it cuts both ways. You know, there are prejudices at both ends. Young people can get a little bit exploited too, and old people can be seen as perhaps not having the same value for different reasons. And I guess There are changes being made in terms of that. There's a great organisation in the UK called Creative Equals. But in terms of what you can do, I suppose for me, it's always play to your strengths. You know, with new young creatives, you don't expect them to know the business yet. You don't expect them to understand, you know, how to juggle multiple deadlines or, you know, do all the kinds of things that you learn on the job. Those things are about learning on the job. And so you're bringing on young grads and young creatives for their raw ideas and enthusiasm and you understand that you have to put in a lot of time and energy and resources to actually teach them the business and I suppose as someone who's a little bit older who has a little bit of career experience what you come with is a little bit more you know match fit on the working understanding how to work front But I suppose what that means is that you do have to do your research a little bit. You know, bigger multinational agencies, they're not the only option. (laughs) And as much as they might seem like the ones who are in the headlines and the big glossy ones, but the fact is they do have the resources probably more to train up young new grads who don't have career experience so it might be that if you're repeatedly trying with big multinational agencies and getting knocked back maybe you need to start looking at smaller independent agencies and even things where your experience plays to your advantage you know Do you have experience in a particular industry and is there an agency in town with a client that would benefit massively from that? So I would suggest, yeah, do a bit of research, do your homework and try and adapt your, you know, CV and book accordingly to target agencies a little bit more who will benefit from the strengths that you bring. You know, the fact that you have confidence in managing your own time and, you know, working to deadline and understanding perhaps business needs and things like that with clients they're hugely valuable considerations especially like I said for smaller agencies who might not be able to fully
2: train someone in that capacity
0: hmm. Aileen anything to add in terms of trying to stay positive through that time as well
2: yeah I guess following on from what Jess said that you know if there is something that exists as a reality in an industry like ableism, trying not to focus so much on that but rather Playing to your strengths and creating a mindset that will be favorable for you walking into an interview. How could you walk in and sell yourself and have the confidence to be able to tell your story, you know, to show that you're passionate about a certain project or why you're the best fit and so the more that you can do that and sell yourself well in a positive manner because those are the things that hopefully you will be walking in with rather than the anxieties of what they will think of you then the better your chances are.
0: Yeah definitely and as we kind of keep on with that theme of positivity so obviously there are some people who have lost their job Mm -hmm. uh, during the last you know couple of months how Do people stay positive? You know, if they can't see that anyone is hiring, what can they do to try and get through this?
1: Firstly, I just want to say I'm sorry. It's a really hard time. If you have lost your job, you know, it sucks. It really does suck. And especially, you know, if it was a first job, there are so many factors that make it suck bad. (laughs) But it's not you. You know, it's a really full on time and agencies are contracting at the moment because it's a very uncertain landscape out there, but it will come back. And I think there are a number of things that you can do at the moment over the next few months. And the first thing I'd say is don't act like this is the same as losing your job during any other time. These are extraordinary times and we really need to be loving and gentle to ourselves throughout these times and be really careful not to over expect you know not to expect too much of yourself during the next few months you know and of course there are things that you can do in terms of you know working on your folio working on your CV making sure all of your steps are in place so that you're just ready to get out there when things kind of pick up again but I think one of the biggest things that's going to help you when you get Out there, when things pick up, is how you're feeling about yourself and your inner strength and where you're coming from. And so, what one of the most important things for me at the moment is to build that and not see yourself reflected in, you know, losing your job, but understand where your value is. So for me, it's always like I take on about 50 side projects so that my job is not the only thing that you know, that is the measure of my creative value. And some of those projects go places and some of them don't, some of them are with other people, some of them are collaborative, some of them are just me, you know, starting the seventh novel that I'm never gonna finish. But I think it's really important because it allows me to then see value in myself and my creativity outside of the work world. But I also think one of the most important things at the moment is to find your community and your people, and that might be each other. You know, it might be other people in the same boat as you. You know, you've just got to talk this stuff out. Don't internalize it too much. We're already in isolation as it is. I am now working in my shed, which I love. (laughs) And we're going to get to that in a minute. But I think, you know, don't isolate yourself anymore. And there are things out there, you know, there's this great thing called side project sessions and they've put all their events online and they're not the only ones, you know. So there are things that you can, there are lots of creative and sort of industry related things happening online. Mm -hmm. Look at the Wheeler Centre. So many organisations have got lots going on. And even that's a way to feel connected just by Mm -hmm. sort of, watching a live event online that you know other people are experiencing at the same time. So yeah, that'd be my advice. And also the creativity comes in many shapes or forms. If your great achievement over the next few months is your ISO veggie patch, all power to you. <laughs>
0: yes. Aileen, most of your time I think is spent trying to help people see the positive side of things. Any tips from that perspective?
2: Yeah, I guess echoing on what Jess has initially said about, look, this is not a normal time and everybody is in the same boat. So just normalising the fact that Everybody is struggling to some degree. So there is no shame in reaching out or talking about it. In fact, it actually probably will help in terms of how you will feel. But also research have shown in terms of like improving motivation and just general wellness and mental health and well-being that routines are really good for keeping you going. So whether you're looking for a job actively or you're taking this time as more of a break to be able to invest in yourself and to be confident so that when all of this is over you can come back and you know be clear on what your goals are and what you want it's always good to have a little bit of a structure in your day and just set routines that are a combination of rest exercise or something physical something pleasurable, something that you enjoy and an achievement activity, you know, something that you will be proud of, where you might learn, you might grow. And so it doesn't have to be big ones, you know, small wins are still wins. And I think collectively, if you kind of just try to stay on that each day, then I feel like this time is going to go much better for you.
0: Yeah, definitely. And so on that positivity point as well. So obviously, we've dealt with the people that have lost their jobs, but there are some people still in their job that might be now worried that they could be next. And so there's almost this kind of, you know, maybe not such a worry for the extroverts who are kind of always out there and they're actually really good at sort of handling their virtual kind of role and their presence. But for those that are sort of naturally a little bit more introverted, how do they make sure that they're kind of still present that people still know they're there and still doing the good work and that they're not necessarily going to be the ones that are next for the chop. So, how do you, as an introvert during this time, and you could hide away, how do you manage making sure that you still feel confident enough to be seen?
2: Well, my advice is just to think about how you could use this time to lean in into being. I guess you know being that person in your team not everybody has to be all loud and you don't all have to be seen it's just being secure and being grounded in your role and being good at that and focusing on being good at that and one suggestion that Justice and i were talking about before was that you know if you feel overwhelmed with the zoom sessions and the extroverts are speaking loudly and you feel like there were certain things that was going too fast and you weren't able to speak up you know be confident enough or it's okay for you to send an email to follow up on a few things that you probably wanted to add so make sure that Your presence is known and it doesn't only have to be in this one way that you see, which is like being loud and being Mm. seen and things. You can quietly achieve and do your job and the work would speak for itself.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's good to remember that this way of working is new for everyone and isn't necessarily normal for anyone. So I think if you feel a bit lost, guaranteed, so does everyone else, (laughs) even the loud ones. You know, as a kind of natural born introvert who's had to work really hard in an industry that is based on, you know, selling your work, selling your ideas and yourself, I'm, you know, loving the fact that I just like potter out from my back door into my shed every day in my slippers and do my thing. But as Eileen said, you know, and from my point of view as well, I think and everyone's point of view, there's a weird cognitive dissonance that happens doing everything, all our meetings online and via screen. And so sometimes these Zoom sessions can be a bit exhausting and we don't always want to... Spend hours on them with lots of people who are, you know. I think in the question, you use the words beating your own drama. It's not that's not what the world's about at the moment. The world is about, you know, being able to work to let together and collaboratively to get the best work that we can out of this situation and to, you know, keep the clients we've got, to maintain our relationships, to still try and get some good creative ideas happening and to do it together. So really, as long as you're doing that and you feel like your work is speaking for itself, and as Eileen said, you know, absolutely follow up if things have gone so fast and you haven't been able to say your bit, by all means, just, you know, send an email and just say, hey, I kind of, this is what I was hoping to contribute or can we have a five-minute chat? 100% people are open to that.
0: Yeah. And as we're on the sort of the topic of jobs and then sort of managing your reputation at work, one question that we had that came in was, I was due for a raise this year, but then COVID happened. Is it appropriate for me to bring this up now? Jess, do you wanna kick us off?
2: Yeah.
1: Well, I am very passionate about us as employees, not suddenly losing all of our rights and entitlements because we're supposed to be incredibly grateful to have a job at the moment. And I think there's a little bit of survivor's guilt question coming later on about that too. So it is very complicated at the moment. And, you know, we do have to, there are compromises that we do have to make because it's a very uncertain time and we can't project what's even gonna happen in the next couple of months. But at the same time, I think there are certain assumptions that you can make, and I don't know the exact situation, how far down the line you were with negotiation, but absolutely, if this was something that was acknowledged and was in place before now. I mean, you know, I think we were talking before, you have to read the room a little bit. So if your agency is really under a lot of pressure at the moment and maybe there's a pitch coming up that could change everything, then you can wait till after the pitch or wait until things have calmed down or you sense that the work emails are getting a little bit more positive. But don't let it slide, absolutely not. Just because of the situation we're in, you know, it doesn't mean that we lose those kind of, as we're saying, the rights and entitlements that we had. So you can 100% bring it up, and I think Arlene's going to talk about some good techniques that you can use when you bring it up. Acknowledge what's happening now, you know, things are a little bit different, maybe the timescale is a little bit different, but it would be great if when you're ready we can resume these conversations. And also, from my experience, you know, this industry there are value adds. Of course we want the pay rise, you should you know, I'd say first and foremost, you know, there are other value adds that aren't the same as income. But, you know, are there other things if they say we're really sorry that we do have to have a six month freeze on salary increases? Are there other things that you've been wanting to do? Is there a, you know, expensive kind of online upskilling training session that you might be able to do that's you know a company write down or something like that could you ask for a couple of extra days off here and there because you know there's something else that you need to devote your time to or something like that so I guess you know it is uncertain times I think you should absolutely approach it in the right way and perhaps see if there are other ways that you could also add value into your role if money isn't available just for now but you need to understand what that time frame is again for you to be able to bring it up again if that's the response.
0: So Aileen how do we have this conversation?
2: Well first of all I feel like you know the pressure in terms of what money means in terms of our our value and am I deserving of it all of that Mm -hmm. in terms of our team gets brought up with the discussion of pay and money and because we're in a different situation right now and obviously we need to be sensitive to that i feel like definitely the conversation if it was already in play then or it was a scheduled because it's like your one year anniversary then being sensitive to kind of what's going on and reading the room and asking the appropriate questions but reframing it in a way as well that is going to be received well so for you to get something from it and for the other person to get something from it so coming into it with more of like asking for feedback where there could be more of a negotiation a discussion and then that kind of allows you to gauge where the firm is at or the company's at where your bosses are thinking about people's pay and then it's not then just this kind of off left field you're asking for money and you feel like you know if they said no then you'd take that as a as an attack or rejection of your value or worth. So coming to the table with a different perspective or a goal, which is like, hey, this could be more of a discussion about me checking in on how things are going, where do you see me going in the future and what do I feel is going on in terms of how I'm doing at work. So more from a feedback perspective, which kind of removes that anxiety and makes it an easier conversation for everyone involved.
0: Yeah, definitely. So there's been a lot of change and we're now potentially in this new normal or somewhere on our way to it. And Jess, we've seen the amount of work that's gone into turning your garage into an incredible (laughs) workspace. So this next question says, I really enjoy working from home, but my colleagues are keen to get back into the office. How do I bring this chat up with my manager to integrate working from home more into my everyday routine?
1: Well, first up, your colleagues are crazy. (laughs) Why would you want to go back from here? No, I think it's interesting that you did bring up the fact that some people do want to go back and you don't and i think what this time has done is open up a whole new kind of black hole into the future it's kind of like ripped a new universe into our experience and our existence and agencies would be doing themselves a huge disservice if they tried to force things or jam things back to the way they were you know, from an agency perspective, you just can't do that anyway. You know, there's going to be a transition, I would say, I would suggest, I can't speak for every agency, but I would suggest there would be a transition back to work anyway. We all live in such open plan settings, we'll work in such open plan agencies in such proximity to each other. And this virus doesn't just go away, you know, we still have to take into account social distancing, even when we do go back. So I would assume that it would be a staggered return to work, which gives you an opportunity if that comes up to say, hey, I'm happy to keep working from home for a while. But then in the long term, I think, you know, this is absolutely a very valid point to raise to any manager. And I think every agency should be pretty open to it because we've proven it can work. We've proven that we're all responsible enough to do our jobs from home, that we can check in and take a briefing via Zoom you know, that we can have chats in lots of different ways and that we can connect in lots of different ways. We don't have to be in the office all the time. So it would be really, you know, I think you have to start from the assumption that, you know, your agency is open to it. But, you know, as with any negotiation, you have to bring something to it as well. So I think it's really important just to be very upfront about why you've benefited from it and working in your pyjamas probably isn't the first point that you make. But it could be that, you know, hey, I realised by having this time to focus my productivity has been so much greater on X briefs or, you know, I've been able to do X, Y, Z. It was really interesting because I feel like I can do that much better at home than I have been able to do with all the racket of everything going on around me at work. Or, you know, I spend so much time, X amount of time commuting or I always have to rush off and pick up the kids whereas I don't have to anymore and that gives me more time to be able to finish projects or whatever it might be but you know if you demonstrate why it's beneficial to everyone there's really no argument and again you might work out in the long term it might be a flexible arrangement so you're in agency some days or you leave early some days or whatever it might be but I think this kind of way of working is 100% got to move with us into the future you know regardless of what happens so just be really confident about having that conversation
2: I'd say. And on that point I guess one of the biggest things, the skills that people come for in terms of working through things in therapy and having better relationships whether that may be personal or work is being able to communicate well, communicate your needs, communicate how you feel and it's about you know being assertive and knowing What are the things that are important to you and how you're going to phrase that, how you're going to say that so that the person will understand your point of view and then the more likely that you're going to get what you want.
0: Yeah. The next couple of questions here are actually about dealing with a manager. So Mm. this first one says, my manager sends emails outside of the nine to five, often really early in the morning or late at night past nine o'clock. It really stresses me out when I get notifications and I feel like there's an expectation for me to reply. How do I set some boundaries?
1: Eileen, I think you should take this one first because I might get you into trouble. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay. Well, first of all, what comes up one comes to mind is that because everyone's working from home and it's such a bizarre situation that we're all in and we're finding ourselves, we're just learning as we go. I think I'm not wrong in assuming that different people are finding that they're working better at different times of the day. And so we don't know from your manager's perspective whether she or he is sending that email at night because you know she had to take a break during the day and went for a run and that's what works for her, working at night. And the same for you know other people that might be running their days very differently in a schedule. So the assumption that a nine to five has gone out the window a little bit when working from home because we are managing so many things so first of all that expectation of nine to five is not necessarily what is happening because we're not all in the office and so thinking about what are your expectations and what are your working hours and reply to these emails when you are working and perhaps start off a conversation if it was like you know you start at 8 a.m and you got the message at 9 p.m then you reply at the time when you're online saying you know i got your message from last night i normally knock off at four o'clock or five o'clock and start early and then kind of take it from there. And then I feel like that might open then a discussion if it was a problem in terms of the expectations that you would need to reply immediately. Because often we project what we think we have to do, but that's not necessarily the expectation the other person. The other person is just probably saying I'm going to have to get these emails out otherwise I forget. So we don't know their process and yet you're assuming that they're sending all these messages expecting a response and stressing out about it. So I feel like start with your boundaries, start with what your expectations for working hours are and then go from there.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's really relevant. And to be honest, I think this is a bigger problem, not just for now. I think there are, you know, we do work in an industry that's very deadline driven and some people have had the tendency in the past to use that as a way to slip those boundaries. And, you know, there are some In some of those very deadline-driven situations you can convince yourself that it's okay to ask for a response outside of hours because deadline deadline so i think the first point is it's super important to have your own boundaries and to set them and to know that that's okay you should never be in a situation where your own abilities or work ethics are being questioned because you're not available 24 hours a day that's just incredibly unhealthy but i can understand as well the stress that you might take into the evening thinking, okay, I'm going to set my boundaries. But in your head, you're just worried about that email coming. And what if I don't respond? And the next day, my manager's angry and that sort of thing. So you can preempt that as well. You know, send an email at 4 saying, hey, I'm logging off at 5.30. So if there's anything I need to think about before then, it'd be great to hear your thoughts now. And then turn off your notifications unless you are specifically on a deadline, or a pitch or something, where you've been asked specifically to be available, it is okay to put the phone away and not be available. That is the bit that I thought might get you into trouble, though. (laughs) (laughs) But I think think boundary setting is important, really important.
0: You just mentioned angry managers. And one of the questions (laughs) we had is, and this is, I think is for Aileen, I can see that my manager is really stressed out. They're taking it out on people around them. What do I do? I feel out of my depth bringing this up with them, help.
2: Okay, so I want to actually tell you about a term called compassion fatigue. And it's a term that is used for people that might empaths or people that self-sacrifice or see themselves more take on the stresses of others. So it's, first of all, it's one thing to see it in other people and want to help. Or is it that you're also experiencing it from your manager, which is very different. So my suggestion is if it is you that's experiencing it, then that's actually a point of conversation that you can raise that concern with your manager in terms of how you're experiencing them, what your concerns are and so on. However, if it's other people, then I would suggest that you actually encourage those people to talk directly to their managers about how they're feeling and what's going on. The worst thing is that you're actually taking on the team's stress, but actually it's something that you don't have control over or nor should you be the one to be standing up there advocating for everybody else's welfare when really everybody's in the same boat in terms of managing their stress there's a level of personal responsibility for us to manage stress and be able to communicate what we need and how we feel and that is also different for different people so i guess that's one way of unloading stress is not taking on other people's stress unless it's directly related to you and directly affects you
0: yeah
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's a really difficult one because, you know, it's not your job to manage your manager. And it could end badly if they're not handling the pressure of a situation and you bring it up in a way that they, you know, if they're kind of defensive about it. But at the same time, you know, as if this time isn't hard enough already, to on top of that, as Eileen said, to be taking on board someone else's stress as well. So I think you know, that advice is really good. And I would hope that within agencies there are enough structures so that if it was really bad and you felt really, you know, that it might inflame the situation to address it directly with someone, I would hope that there might be someone else you can talk to. So, you know, in my situation it might be, you know, a traffic manager or someone else and do it in an empathetic way. You know, I can see that my manager's under a huge amount of pressure and I really feel for them, but it's actually... So it feels now like that's sort of compounding the pressure that I'm under. In my mind, yes, deal with it directly if you think you have the right capability to do that. But like Eileen said, you don't have to become the number one problem solver.
0: Yeah, I think now is also the perfect time to just realise everyone's a little bit more human. Yeah. You know, that things aren't necessarily all about business and that it's okay to ask and see if everyone is okay. The last one is actually kind of very human in terms of the last question that we got beforehand. Mm-hmm. And this is around survivor's guilt. So this is for the people you know, that are left. I'm grappling with a lot of guilt because I'm still busy and have so much work to do, but I really just can't be bothered. <laughs> bothered that they use. I know so many people would kill to be in my position with the security I have, so how can I stop taking my situation for granted?
1: Well (laughs) I can relate to a bit of that because I'm actually really (laughs) enjoying this like I'll put it out there first up I'm really I feel incredibly grateful that I have my job this all happened while I was coming to the end of maternity leave so I'd been in isolation (laughs) for some time with a very angry small child no not too angry but with a small baby and another kid so I was pretty down with ISO but it was pretty stressful coming to the end of a, you know, seven month period out of work and then not knowing and then this huge amount of uncertainty. And, you know, I found the first couple of weeks were, you know, I relate to that could not be bothered aspect of it because I just couldn't even turn open my laptop. You know, I just thought, what is the point with this, you know, there's so much disaster around us, you know, how can I even focus? on deadlines and things like that again for personal projects i had but then when i actually got back to work once i'd done my little shed reno which was a complete dumping ground up until now like i'm literally out in a shed with a tin roof and the rain sound of the rain is amplified and all that sort of stuff I actually have found so many positives in this situation that I do feel a bit guilty. I mean, I'm loving this way of working. It suits me enormously. As a shift from maternity leave back to work, it's amazing that I still get to see my baby every day, that it's not this sudden dramatic change from one life to another, which I feel is reversed for a lot of people. So I can relate to the survivor's guilt. The can't be asked bit, I think you just really need to work on yourself for that (laughs) you know i think it's okay to feel that to a degree and then you almost have to normalize a little bit what we're experiencing and you know acknowledge the extraordinariness of it acknowledge that you won't be performing in the same way as you have before acknowledge that you might not be asked in the same way as you were before but The show must go on and you do have to find your way of working and your way of leaning into it. And it could be, you know, with Netflix on in the background, in your box of shorts, on the couch, you know, and just start getting the little things happening because it's amazing how adaptable we are. And before you know it, you are just beavering away in in a relatively similar way as you were before. But I don't think anyone should expect to work the same way as they were two months ago. So I don't think you should put that pressure on yourself. But it's Mm -hmm. okay to acknowledge that you, you know, that you're ambivalent to your job during this
2: time. I think that's okay. Mm -hmm. Aileen,
0: I'm assuming survivor's guilt is something that comes up quite often with some of your comments.
2: It does, it does. And you know, guilt, the emotion of guilt is about feeling responsible it's related to responsibility and i guess it's like somehow if you're there then you feel bad because somebody else isn't And being able to break that down in terms of what actually is going on in terms of rationally, we understand that it's not anyone's fault. It's not your fault for being there, that you got chosen and someone did it and you had no influence over that. And being able to kind of really get to the bottom of the feeling rather than just feeling it, because feelings are not facts, right? We can feel bad and I can feel bad for someone, but it doesn't necessarily mean that me being here is wrong, or I've done something wrong in exchange for me being here. And that's not the case at all. So, trying to challenge that and reframe that. And then, on the second note about not being able to do things because they feel overwhelmed. And my tip for that is being able to manage time better and prioritize better. So, there are certain skills that I guess when you're trying to juggle so many things at once, and maybe some people are finding this because they're having to, you know try to perform and do more or the companies are actually trying to get people to work more because they're kind of standing some people down. So being able to push back, set boundaries and look at what is actually realistic. So break down things into manageable chunks and communicate that with your boss or the agency or your peers who you're working with so that you don't feel bad about that either, you know, that you're actually doing what you can and it's, A combination of being effective yet kind of looking after yourself getting the job done and looking after yourself
0: yeah great so you might you know obviously those people are still here and starting to feel a little bit more grateful we'll go to our first question so this one says hey do you guys have any advice for recent advertising graduates who are trying to get into the industry whilst we're in isolation that must be pretty Mm. hard to go around at the moment because you literally cannot knock on doors So, so what can people do
1: Yeah, it's really hard. And I think, I mean, it's hard at the best of times. So I really feel for you because there's such another level of difficulty. I suppose part of this, I think, is, you know, you do have to accept that people aren't as available to look at books and things like that at the moment, even remotely. You know, I'm trying to respond to everyone who's getting in touch with me on LinkedIn, but it is really hard. We're all working in such a different way. So don't take it personally if you aren't getting much feedback. And I think this is where, you know, you have to live very much in the present with an eye on the future almost. And I think there will be a time when the doors open again and we all start working again and we will need people because the industry has contracted. And I suppose the best thing you could do is be prepared for that. So I think I talked a little bit more a little bit earlier about how you can plan and make sure you know spend some time on your book and all of that sort of stuff but I wouldn't be slavish about doing that I think you know at the moment we have this incredible kind of opportunity to sort of be in a very different present (laughs) from the normal present this isn't a regular job market to be in looking for work so use this time to do things that are really right for you to help make you feel prepared for when the time comes to get out there again. And it could be silly little projects that you do with each other. I think, again, you know, talk to each other and share, share your skills, you know, do something that you know, is completely unrelated to Clients and commerce and advertising, and is maybe just a genuine little creative piece of work that it gives you a reason to talk to people when you come back out of it. But it could be again, you know, just being creative in a non work related way or, you know, doing something online that is completely unrelated to the industry so that when you do come back out, you don't feel like you've, you know, there's not much you can do at the moment. So forcing yourself to try and achieve a lot to try and get work is probably going to add to your stress a little bit. I'm such an advocate of side projects. (laughs) I have about 15 on the go at any one time because it just makes me feel, you know, valid. I'm creating something, I don't know, cross-stitch? Yeah, whatever it is. (laughs) And just be kind to yourself at the moment, really. I can't stress that enough. Just be really kind to yourself. I
2: was going to say there's not a better time to tell creatives to get creative, right, in the time where it's using this time as an opportunity to be attached to something that feels good and managing expectations as just said that there isn't probably going to be much right now so managing expectations for what really is realistic and then on the side of that then what else can i be doing to use this time so that when it is time to apply for jobs and do all these things in a much more kind of relentless little way a meaningful way when we all come out of isolation then there is something meaningful that you can share about this time in isolation and something that you've learned something that you've created something that you've been a part of the networking and yeah so there's so many options in terms of how do you turn this crisis into an opportunity because i think that's kind of what people see it as, it's like there's something wrong, what can I do? And they're kind of forcing themselves, you know, like kind of forcing a, a round peg in a square hole vice versa. Time to build
0: your network, you know, like that. everyone has jumped on LinkedIn, everyone is posting what's going on out there. But the other thing is, I think, is that lots of people have also offered up their time. I'm seeing mm-hmm. lots of people in our industry have gone, hey, why don't you in a 30-minute coffee with me, yeah. you know, virtual coffee which you might not get normally because, Mm. yes, we are busy, but actually we're better at kind of we've managed our time so that we've been able to fit these kind of things in. So Mm -hmm. I've definitely seen quite a few people taking these and I've caught up with people that I've never even met before quite a lot over the last few weeks.
1: Yeah, I suppose with any, it's the same as, I guess, advice normally is as grads, you know, a lot of you have similar folders and similar bodies of work and it's how do you stand out for sure. But I also think just to add to that, don't put too much expectation on yourself to be at it every single day. You know, it's valid to have days where you just couldn't be shagged and not want to watch a Netflix show or sit in the bath or chat to a mate. And all of that stuff is nourishing, and enriching and, you know, let it all pass and let it go through you. And no one's expecting everyone to come out of this with like some beautiful, shiny, you know, look what I spent the last three months doing. I wrote a novel. <laughs> Lol. Or whatever it might be, you know, don't add any more expectation than it already is, but apply the same rules as you do in any grad market is, you know, at some point, you're going to have to stand out for the rest. And you've got a little bit of time now to work out what that means for you and also make it work for you a little bit, too. like. Become really certain about where you want to work, the types of work you want to do. Do a bit of research about all of the agencies out there at the moment. You know, everyone's in this holding pattern. It's not like everyone else is rushing out, all these other grads are out there interviewing. No one is really at the moment. So find out, you know, work out what's your real hunger and find the places that you really want to target on the other side and how you can be the one who stands out to those places when the time is right, you know? Yeah. It's about a sense of control, having a sense of control when there is none.
0: <laughs> going to move to the next question. So this question says, when it comes to career progression, am I limiting myself continuing to work in-house? Will I be better placed growing as a professional if I can specialize in an agency environment versus being a generalist in-house?
1: Hmm. I hate the way that we have somehow in our industry created a hierarchy of what is the good agency and what isn't and what's the best job to have and the best agency and all of that sort of stuff. I mean in my career I've worked freelance, I've worked in tiny little agencies, I've worked in big agencies and You know, I just think it's just another added layer of pressure we put on ourselves. If your job suits you, if you're finding it challenging creatively, if you're learning things, if you're creating a body of work that you're proud of, it does not matter where you are. You know, I worked in London for about eight years and I was kind of shocked when I got back. (laughs) I loved my career over there and I mainly worked for independent and, in fact, I only worked for independents and, you know, there's so many agencies there you can get really specialist and have a really rewarding career without even setting foot in a big multinational agency and, unfortunately, it's a little bit different in Australia but there are still amazing, loads of amazing independent agencies here. But this idea, when I came back, everyone was just like, where's your awards? Where's your recent awards? And I'm just like dude I've just been working for agencies that don't even bother with awards like what the heck and I had to like you know kind of sort of adapt for the Australian market but more and more I think people are realizing that that one size fits all actually doesn't fit all and there are loads of little offshoots there are loads of different little agencies and there are loads of in-house there are loads of Companies who are doing great work in-house. So if the work suits you and if you're loving it, and at the end of the day, as a creative director, all I want to see is a good body of work if and when you decide to move on. So if you've got a decent, you know, body of work that represents you and the kind of work you want to do, it doesn't matter where you're working.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, and the amount of good talent that is going in-house, I actually think in-house is seen as much more of a positive just in the last couple of years than perhaps it has been in the past and
1: the amount of our clients that are going (laughs) in-house
0: exactly exactly Mm. okay great next question so we've moved on from this one
1: so weird not being able to see people's faces
0: (laughs) Yes. it also means that they can't answer back either so you know (laughs) the, the ad industry here is greatly populated with expats those on working holiday visas and ultimately sponsorships Do you see COVID-19 impacting the overseas talent here and how do you think we should handle the sponsorship or six-month work restriction chat? Wow. That is the difficult question.
1: That's a really difficult question. I really feel for people who are in the process of having an agency sponsor them or their visa being sorted and that's all come to a grinding halt. It is really interesting because ours is an industry where people do move around internationally. Like, you know, I've worked in... Toronto and London, a couple of great creatives who I've worked with over the last couple of years have just gone to Amsterdam and L.A. And, yeah, loads of expats come to Australia and there are a few in our agency, as there are every agency. How will that affect the market? I don't know. I guess that's a wait-and-see thing because it depends on how long these restrictions are in place. But for specific skills reasons the restrictions i don't think will stop individuals being able to move around and work internationally so i'm not sure what the long term impact of that will be
0: yeah i think it might be a bit harder but essentially this isn't about a sort of nationalistic thing is it it's just that like no. you said quite a bit through this everyone is in the same boat the next one is actually quite a specific question around and this is a big one for that we work on at Never Not Creative around the value of work. And so this question says, we've recently seen publicists promising to refund mid-sized clients in the US if their ad campaigns fail to hit agreed targets. Do you think this will be productive? Is it something other agencies should look at doing?
1: I might have to take the fifth. <laughs> <laughs> uh, publicists is employing me at the moment. Yes, so. Sure. <laughs> I would Leo Burnett is a publicist agency I actually this was news to me I hadn't seen this it's interesting I think it's it's,
0: I mean it's very much put your money where your mouth is which is a good it's
1: demonstrating confidence in your creative Mm -hmm. output the effectiveness of the work
0: yeah I mean I think you could then also apply some of the concepts that we've been talking about today in terms of what you have control over Mm -hmm. because you do not have control over the targets necessarily in terms of whether a Mm -hmm competitor to your client launches a new piece of work or a new product or suddenly the market tanks. I think it's very hard to actually get to this point to be able to go, you know, can you completely control every single thing that is affecting the target or the result? So I would say that's a bit of a tough one. And there are probably other things that maybe you can look at in terms of what you can control. But also you don't want to, you know, have to work on something for six months and then not be paid for it. Well, you, for I move, think
1: the agreed targets, you know, I think that would have to work for both the client and the agency because obviously, you know, you have to take it. You have, The context is everything at the moment. You know, the whole consumers, are. you don't know where they're moving either or where consumer spend is going and things like that. So, you know, it's interesting though. It's an interesting way to retain business.
0: Yeah. Aileen, I'm going to pass this last one that I've got here to you. Because this one is, I think we've talked about uncertainty a bit, but this one also mentions the word fear, which I think mm-hmm. takes it to another level. So you're a new business director in an agency outside of your home country. Your residency is attached to your job and redundancies mm-hmm. are taking place around you. How do you manage the uncertainty and fear?
2: Okay, well, that's kind of uh, I can go on for that for a whole hour talking about uncertainty and fear. But I think that the important thing to remember when dealing with uncertainty, which by and large involves a little bit of fear, because it's like we fear what we don't know, or we kind of anticipate outcomes, and it can be negative, generally. What we usually project is that humans tend to be attached to catastrophic thoughts, or outcomes because it's a way of worrying that we think is productive, that makes sense. So in this instance, I think the calmer you are, the easier it will be, So being able to manage your anxiety and stress in a situation where there is anxiety or fear because then you will be able to be clearer in terms of thinking things through, thinking through, Problems, decisions, and being able to be more resilient overall. So I guess in terms of managing it, you know, there's nothing better than, you know, your diet, your exercise, looking after yourself, being compassionate and kind. Essentially being scared and when you're already fearful and you're already uncertain, things are uncertain, creates panic and that doesn't really help anyone yeah it just makes you more anxious and much more ineffective so in terms of problem solving through the future or being able to cope with the present as difficult as it is now then the struggle will be much easier if you are able to calm yourself down through you know like i said diet exercise sleeping well meditation calming techniques yoga things that slow us down so that you know, our nervous system is not at
0: that fight or flight mode constantly. Ever felt yeah. the
1: fear Yeah, of course. And it can be crippling, but I think it's important to acknowledge it and, you know, it's very valid. But also just I would reflect on times in your life where things haven't gone perhaps as well as they should have and when you look back on them now, you know, you just see it as a blip or as something that, you know, wasn't the outcome that you wanted and realised that, you know, this, whatever the worst outcome, you'll still get through it. And there's something potentially better on the other side. I mean, like I said, I've, in my career, I've been through every kind of iteration of job security and job insecurity and then leaving the industry altogether and coming back to it. And I think, you know, if you can just muster yourself to realise why you've got this great job in the first place and what your skills are and what your personal attributes are and, you know, why you are employable even though you feel like you're in a really insecure position at the moment, you know, you are employable and you will get through it regardless of whether the fear is founded or not. And we're all scared at the moment, you know. Mm. Even if we are in relatively stable situations, that can change at any minute. We are not in control (laughs) at the moment. And I think you need to acknowledge that, that you can't control it and we're all in the same boat and all you can do is maybe not project too far into the future and just keep doing what you can do now to keep going.
0: So I might just do a little bit of a summary there. There were some awesome questions. And I think like one of the big themes that has certainly come out through this is the fact that we're all in the same boat. You know, this actually isn't, everything that's happening right now is personal. And so if something has happened to you, it's because it's happened to a lot of other people. And there's no shame in talking about what is happening at the moment. We kicked off with some great advice around if you're older and trying to get into this industry or trying to get a job at the moment. And I think one of the important things there was actually being retargeted in your approach that you mentioned, Jess, in terms of, I think if you're coming into this industry, a lot of people do use a sort of scattergun approach of just trying to get in with someone. But if you're a little bit older, you might have that bit more experience and worth looking at where you're Stay positive, find your community, talk things out with people is obviously a really key thing. We talked about if you were looking for a pay rise right now. If it obviously is a difficult time to bring up that subject, if you can't get a raise, is there there might be something else that you can get that would be of value to you? But also at the same time, like you know, just having a job, it's not just a you know something just to be grateful for. You're actually mm. bringing something to the business that about you're working. the power. For. So mm. don't <laughs> give up your rights and entitlements as we're all working from home and. We're all adapting to this situation in terms of when we find we can work best. And especially if you've got you know, kids and homeschooling, then you've got to be able to set your boundaries and you know other people will be setting their boundaries as well. So definitely worth looking at respecting those, but also communicating them, I think, is really important to say when you will and won't be available. If you see others struggling, you don't have to take on their struggles, but it is nice to ask how they are and to you know be okay to do that don't feel like that's you know something that you can't do and that ultimately we're all in the same boat and we're all human and i love this from you aileen which was that if you do have any sort of doubt or fear and amidst all this sort of uncertainty it's quite important to dissect the feelings from the facts to get that kind of like actually this is what i can control this is what i know the rest of it is just what i'm feeling and if you can kind of find a way to unpack that and to acknowledge it but then kind of put it to one side then you're potentially going to be able to get yourself into a more kind of confident and slightly more relaxed place so that's the end of our asking for a friend session jess and aileen thank you so much
1: for joining us thank you i hope it was helpful and
2: thank you for tuning in and the great questions by the way too Mm. so have any more then feel free to send them through and i'm happy to respond to andy yeah happens. absolutely get in touch yeah. well,
0: we'll we'll put some links in that with how you can get in touch with jess and aileen as well also this recording will go up onto the never creative.org website you'll see last month's recording on there and we've also been taking snippets of these and kind of turning them into a little bit of an faq as well so some of the questions that get asked the most we'll keep adding to the content there
1: so I, I, I just want to say thanks so much for Youngbloods. It's so great that you are supporting each other in this way. Like I think, you know, mental health has been a very under sort of, you know, reported issue in our industry. And I think, you know, just be there for each other. And these sorts of things are brilliant. So well done. Thank you for organising them.
0: Great. All right. Well, thank, thank you very much. We'll be back next month, first Thursday of the month. And all the details will be out soon. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Hope you enjoyed that episode. We run Asking for a Friend on the first Thursday of every month at 12:30 p.m. Australian Eastern Time. You can sign up anonymously use whatever name you like we only ever show the first name in the chat rooms and no one is ever the wiser of who it is that's asking the questions we get some really great questions and we encourage people to ask the things that they're just you know really burning inside of them you can go to the site as well so nevernotcreative.org click on the menu you'll find asking for a friend By doing that, you can register for the next event, you can watch previous events, but also you can submit a question for an upcoming event as well. And so that's completely anonymous. We don't see any details relating to that question. So please feel free to ask what you need to. And also, if you need help, jump onto nevernotcreative.org or jump onto mentally-healthy.org. And there is a need help now link that can send you off to lots of different places with people that are qualified to help you and to talk and to listen to. So please go and check that out if you need a little bit more help. Go follow us on at NVR Not Creative on the socials. Let us know what you think of this podcast. If you want to rate and review it, we'd love that. If you've got ideas for upcoming guests and topics, I'd love to hear them. If you want to chat, let me know. You can reach out through any of our channels. Big thank you to StreamTime. We couldn't do any of the stuff we're doing right now without StreamTime. If you are looking for project management software with a business that does care about the creative industry, then StreamTime's a pretty good shout in terms of all the support that it does around that. Just head to StreamTime.net. You may even get me on the other end of the line. Hope you enjoyed everything. Have a great rest of the week. We'll be back in a few weeks' time.